Welcome back to Ag on Tap. I'm Sabrina Halverson. I'm Rusty Halverson. And today we are talking about all things fall. I'm very excited to be chatting about some pumpkins. You like pumpkins, Rusty? I do. I like carving them. I like roasted pumpkin seeds. I like I like attempting to grow them, but I'm completely terrible at it. You know, we gave it a shot and wow, did that turn out. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> You know what I'll do? I'll post some pictures to the podcast posting so people can see our little disaster of pumpkin patches we've had the last couple of years. And when I say pumpkin patch, I mean like two square feet. And when she says disaster, it wasn't a disaster. It just got out of hand. You know, we didn't know. We didn't do any research when we put those seeds into the ground. So we didn't know that vines, the pumpkin vines expanded into our neighbor's yards and, you know, took over the other plants. No idea. But with the fertile soils in our garden, they sure did well. <laughs> so we're, today we're going to talk to somebody who does know pumpkins quite a bit. We are heading over to Morton, Illinois, where we're going to get John Ackerman of Ackerman Family Farms on the phone. Shall we call him? Yes, let's do that now. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out today. We really do appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So we were just saying, okay, so Rusty and I are married, and uh, in addition to doing all kinds of radio things together, we occasionally attempt to garden, and that's been our entire experience with pumpkins, has been what we attempted to do in the garden, and it didn't go so well. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, John, it's Rusty, and yeah, uh, when it comes to a green thumb and pumpkins, I'm a failure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, to be completely honest, pumpkins can be a fickle plant, and they can kind of break your heart. they, uh, they're perhaps not as hardy as some of the corn and beans that we're used to out here on the farm. And uh, they're a long, low-lying plant that's subject to uh, maybe a little more disease and insect pressure. Okay, yeah. and so don't, we, so don't feel bad. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, because we got like uh, two little itty-bitty buggers out of the whole doggone growing season. And we just thought we j- we're still blaming our- ourselves. We gave up, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, don't, like I said, don't beat yourself up. They can be a very, very fickle plant. All right. So well, tell us a little bit about what you ha- what you grow out there in Illinois. Well, so we uh, at Ackerman Family Farms, we have over 160 different varieties of pumpkins, gourds, and squash. We open up our farm to the public every fall, and we sell our pumpkins here directly to those people that come here. Some years, separately, I have a contract with the local canning uh, company that so I could raise uh, processing or canning pumpkins. Okay, sorry, we were we were talking. And... We were fighting over the microphone, so I understand. <laughs> so I understand. Are you share. Yeah, I know. <laughs> John, this is only our second time trying to do a show together. We both do shows separately, so we're still learning how to share. <laughs> no problem. I will work with you too, but don't make me pull this radio show over. I will. Okay, okay. Now I tell you what, John. Uh, today is a special day. Thank you for joining us again, uh, as Sabrina said, uh, and anniversary our first today one year anniversary that we got married uh, a year ago today can you start off uh, telling me just a, a little bit if you're comfy about it about your wife and what i'm gonna do wrong over the next 20 years <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you will be mistake free as uh, most of us husbands are <laughs> yeah hey I can, I can only lie to you this way because nobody told me either ahead of time. So, <laughs> so let's get back to pumpkins. You know, 
I just going to say, can we keep communications open and uh, always share the microphone, and you guys will be fine. Okay, thank, thank you. you for the advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back to pumpkins. So back to pumpkins. All right, so from what I understand, the majority of pumpkins in the U.S. are processing pumpkins, but of course this time of year we have a pretty large need for ornamentals so we can make our jack-o'-lanterns and put out our decorations. Yes, yep, and uh, Illinois leads the nation by quite a bit on pumpkin production. I think we have over 25,000 acres of pumpkins produced in this state alone. Yeah, I looked at a graph, and you pretty much leave everybody else in the dust. Well, we, you know, we take a little pride in our uh, pumpkin production, but the truth is we're blessed with good soils. Uh, we are certainly geographically in the right zone for pumpkins, not so, not so uh, far south that we're very humid and subject to disease, not so far north that we have too short of a growing season. So we're kind of in that area called the Orange Belt, where pumpkins grow the best, I think. Okay. Now, John, normally when I visit with uh, producers, it, it's about those main row crops like corn and soybeans. How, uh, you know, how do you translate some of the skills from growing those crops into growing pumpkins? I'm not very familiar with the exact production and uh, what you need to do to prepare a seed bed or planting or nutrients. Uh, can you give me just a broad overview of how that works? Sure. And there will be a lot of similarities between the same production practices we use for corn or soybeans that we use for specialty crops like pumpkins, but they come with their own kind of caveats, their own uh, special needs. So a lot of the soil preparation can be very similar. There are guys who do conventional tillage and guys that do no-till and uh, in both the row crops and with pumpkins. Uh, so that could be very similar uh, nutrient-wise. You won't use nearly as much nitrogen on pumpkins as you would on corn. You don't want so much vegetative growth that you don't get fruit production, so that's important. And a lot of times you have to take existing equipment, like say our planters, and you modify them pretty heavily because the spacing is so much different. So, uh, for instance, in my 12-row planter that I use for corn, when I'm using it for pumpkins, I basically use every other row, and I've got uh, all some special finger pickups that I use that, are, that allow for a much greater spacing. Okay. Now, when it comes to planting and, and uh, pumpkin seeds, uh, how, how does that work, John? Now, the years uh, for the processing or canning pumpkins, the years that I contract uh, with the local canning factory, they provide the seed for me. And i got to be honest, they've done a really good job of selecting seed, not only for things like yield, but actually for taste. And I have to give them a lot of credit for that because there's so many places producing, you know, produce that's made to ship well or yield well or, you know, that sort of thing. So they've done a really good job taking the old Dickinson pumpkin from Kentucky and improving on it. So the seed I get for that, they provide. Now, the seed that I get for my ornamental pumpkins, I get that seed from all over the planet. Uh, yeah. We get from every continent except Antarctica, and many of them, their old heirloom varieties have been used for food pumpkins throughout the centuries all over the world. Yeah, and it seems like uh, when it comes wouldn't you know it just strikes me that when it comes to growing the best pumpkins you've got to be thinking about the same factors that uh corn or wheat farmers or soybean farmers you're selecting for the best not only product but the best product for the market we are and it's uh and there's so many choices out there and it's you know, from the retail end that's what's a little bit different out here is uh 
Opening our farm to the public has been a real fascinating learning curve. So you, know, you try to guess what the public needs. I don't know if we can do that, but we try to provide such a variety that the public will find something here that they might not find somewhere else. Plus, they get the farm experience of coming out and enjoying farm life. This is truly a working farm where we are. You know, the, the problem with growing a specialty crop is there won't be millions of acres uh, of the same crop planted, and there won't be billions of dollars in the research for, well, I'll say, chemicals or, or different seed production. So, you know, we're kind of we're in that, in that niche where we have to find the things that work for us, and there's a lot of just old-fashioned hard work that goes into it. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about myself, because I'm, I'm from California, so I'm all about the specialty crops. And you mentioned it also, the agritourism, bringing people into the farm, and you've been very successful in that from what I have seen. Well, we've, we love what we do, which makes it all go so much better because there's good years and bad years. Uh, some years we have great production, but it rains on weekends, and that'll kill your sales. And uh, other years, you know, maybe the production's not what we want it to be. But the community's been hugely supportive. Uh, people have just been nice to us. We have the best demographics of any retail, I think. Uh, we get gardeners and food lovers and animal lovers and grandparents and families and you know, people who want to take pictures of their children every year. So we get a we get a great mix out here, and uh, that makes it kind of worthwhile. So are we successful? Well, I, I like to think we're successful in that we love what we do. So if people are interested in opening their farms up to the public, I know that it's got to take a lot of special consideration. There's got to be liability issues that you think about. Are there, are there ways to work through those considerations as well? There are, and I'd never discourage anyone uh, from pursuing their dreams that way, but I certainly would tell people to go in with eyes wide open. Uh, I think people, people see, like our farm, we consider it a huge compliment when they say, oh, I so wish I did what you do. But they see the end result, you know, they see the bounty of the harvest and, and they don't see all the work that goes into it ahead of time. And sometimes I think if they realize in a bad year, you know, how you'd have to kind of scrape to get by and what you'd be paid for your time, they might reconsider, you know. But certainly there's opportunities for that. There's, there are places you can get help uh, and definitely talking to other farmers that are already doing that. That might be the very best place to start. Okay, John, I tell you what, uh, you've been very open with us, and I appreciate you opening your life to us and speaking a bit. I'm going to be open with you. When I was a little kid, uh, my nickname from my mom was Pumpkin. Um, because I have red hair and I do have freckles. Now, one of the facts that I stumbled across as we were researching ahead of the interview, uh, pumpkins once recommended for removing freckles and curing snake bites. Now, I've never been bitten by a snake, uh, snake, but I've still got the freckles. So is there any help? Well, no, I would never, I would never try to downplay the curative value of pumpkins. However, <laughs> I, I would not also try to sell you uh, something that may not be true. I will say this, uh, pumpkins as a food uh, is just an amazingly, amazingly healthy option. And a lot of the heirloom varieties that grow out here, people usually buy them to decorate with because they're so pretty. But we have a huge following of people that enjoy the food side of them. As far as freckles, uh, I'm not sure. I think I heard about lemon did the same thing a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge fan of pumpkins for cooking, and I just I'm not a I'm not a pumpkin spice person, but I love actual pumpkin, and I will put pumpkin into just about anything I can because there's so many uses for it. 
Well, and we've got some heirloom varieties that uh, we have kind of a following of people that, you know, really look forward to certain varieties. Uh, that Libby's Pumpkin, that, like I say, they've done a terrific job of, of improving the flavor and taste of that. Uh, we've got one called Winter Luxury Pie. That's one of my favorites. We've got a winter squash called Kushaw that makes a wonderful squash pie. So there's just an amazing number of choices out here. You have, at times, more than um, 160 varieties out there? Yes, yes. I didn't and know there so were that many. many. Have, oh, it's amazing. We have, oh, I mean, we have blue ones and red ones and white ones and yellow ones and even one that's almost black. And uh, they're, just, they're so much fun. They're so beautiful. They're such an icon of the fall harvest. But again, there's so many of them that you would never suspect make such wonderful, wonderful food products. Now, Sabrina and I, uh, as we've been dating and in our marriage, we have been carving pumpkins for Halloween every year. Uh, John, when's the last time you've carved a pumpkin? <laughs> I carve pumpkins every year. I just feel like, you know, if I'm going to be the pumpkin guy, I'd better be the carving guy too. And I'll give you one of my favorite tips. Uh, instead of carving the big hole out of the top, consider carving it out of the bottom. That way, uh, you can either keep the bottom or throw it away. Either way, you can light the candle first and set the pumpkin over it. And the best part is it tends not to cave in as quick from rotting from the top because you carved the bottom. You cut the big hole out of the bottom. Those are good tips. Good tips. Um, again. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say someone told me that, but, you know, you don't know that I didn't make that up myself. So it is possible <laughs> that I invented that. <laughs> no, actually, someone told me, and I think it's a great tip. It is a good tip. It is a real good tip. All right. Well, once again, just thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You know what? We had so much fun with this conversation, too. I think that um, if we're ever in Illinois, which is just a few states away, we're going to have to come visit you. And, John, for for the folks that that hear this, uh, uh, can we direct them to your website to check things out? Absolutely. Absolutely. They can find us at AckermanFamilyFarms.com. We're in central Illinois, uh, right near Interstate 74. Our farm actually is on Highway 150. And we're open 9 to 6 Monday through Saturday, and Sunday's noon to 5. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, and happy Halloween. Yeah, happy <laughs> Halloween. Enjoy your fall. Well, thank you so much. Uh, congratulations on the anniversary, and thank, thank you so much for thank spending time with us. Yeah, thank you. All right. Have a nice day, John. Thanks for the great you advice. <laughs> Not only for marriage, but for girl and pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Always glad to be there. Okay. Right. Okay. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. You're you take welcome. care. That was so fun. I enjoyed it so much. It was a good conversation. Nice fella. Really nice guy. You know, I I, I don't know. Most of the farmers we talk with are are nice people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when it comes to pumpkins, uh, John is an expert, and Mm -hmm. I really appreciated uh, some of his thoughts and advice. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll plant some more seeds next year. (laughs) I don't know. We're going to have to ask the neighbors first since it tends to grow over into their yards. (laughs) But anyway, fall is my favorite season. I love seeing what nature does this time of year. So I love everything, just everything about it. So it's so fun to talk about pumpkins. It's been a great visit. Uh, Again, thanks to John Ackerman of Ackerman Farms, uh, Ackerman Family Farms in Morton, Illinois. And uh, thank you for listening to Ag on Tap. I'm Rusty Halverson. I'm Sabrina Halverson, and we'll see you next time.